What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of your favorite Orange County SC podcast. We're going to talk about the big questions tonight. Has Kubo Torres unlocked the net? And now is he going to score a lot of goals? And has Orange County gotten back to their winning ways? That'll help lead them to another USL Championship Cup. We're going to talk about that and more. Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I'm going to take you through this wonderful journey that we call soccer in Orange County and talking about a professional team. Um, let's get on to this. Let's bring uh, on all of the panel here, uh, familiar faces as always, and let's start with Dylan, and then we'll go to Alan, and then we'll go to Brad. Dylan, how's it going, man? Apparently, we're in a rush tonight. Um, I'm doing well. Glad to be here, and uh, yeah, that's about it. I think producer Andy like took me literally when I said, let's go through the whole panel here really quick. Um, but that's fine. That's awesome. Uh, Alan, uh, down in San Diego, I was just in your neck of the woods this weekend, Temecula. I know you don't live that's there, not, but you teach that's there. Not my, that's not my neck of the woods. That's like, a, no. You're there more than you're Temecula. at home pretty much, right? No. If you count weekends, I'm only in Temecula for like eight hours of the 24 hours. So, hey, Harry. Uh, good to see you again. I'm glad I'm making San Antonio fans happy by picking against them, which means they're probably going to win. Um, no, things are going great. Uh, was feeling a little bit under the weather last week, uh, and so I was taking a NyQuil uh, right about now. So um, I'm happy to be back and happy to be discussing uh, uh, Orange County win. Hopefully it was like a NyQuil tablet, not like a whole bottle of NyQuil that you were taking this time last week. Um, let's head up to Reno and Mr. Brad in Reno. How are we doing, my man? Oh, I'm doing quite all right. Uh, I'm just as succinct as Dylan is with my emotions. All right. Perfect. Good to know. Um, and by the way, I know last week I said I was going to be uh, out of town in Colorado Springs and I might not make it, but I'm stuck at home. I'm actually in the podcast studios tonight uh, because a family member had a uh, positive test of COVID. So I was considered close contact. I could not travel uh, to the conference I was supposed to attend. So works out, though. I'm here to talk with you fine gentlemen. Um, and we have a guest on. Uh, let's just introduce the guest right now, and then we'll let him just hang out and listen to what we have to say, and he can make fun of us, uh, chime in with some some thoughts of what we're talking about. And that's Mr. Peter Bloom from Roots Blog, covers Oakland Roots. Uh, if, for those of you that followed us last season, you recognize uh, his name and his face probably if you watch the live streams. Hey, Peter, how you doing, my man? Hey, doing well. Uh, happy to be back, uh, coming to you guys from uh, Oakland, California. Uh Roots, not off to a hot start, uh, so looking forward to hearing you guys talk about your equally difficult start. The Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. It's been a difficult start for the defending champions here in the Orange County, or not the Orange County, in Orange County Soccer Club. I was about to say in the USL Championship, but for some reason I started saying Orange County, so I just went with it. Um, but let's talk about, uh, you know, tough start for the team, but... Maybe they've gotten, they figured things out. Uh, Brace from Kubo, a win in RGV or in South Texas, um, wherever they play, whatever city that is, who knows. Uh, and um, maybe a little bit of revenge from some of the craziness that happened the last time these two teams played um, at Championship Soccer Stadium. But uh, Orange County comes away with a 2-1 victory. Uh, probably one of the more important victories in this early part of the season because Orange County had been struggling as of late. Um, if you go back to the start of the season, pretty much. Uh, and so they pull uh, off a victory in a place that's been difficult for this team to get results and get victories uh, in South Texas. Uh, Dylan, how important was this win, this three points for Orange County? And is this uh, a sign of better things to come? Or are you still uh, on the nervous side of things for Orange County? 
Um, well, it's three points in, obviously now it's May, but it was April. It's three points in April. It's not anything particular. But how important was it that uh, Brent Richards returns as we see him pressing really high up the pitch um, and then look a goal three seconds after that. So I, I look a bit more of a, um, it's nice to win. I don't think we're close to where Orange County was last year. I don't think we're close to where Orange County needs to be if they're going to be remotely competitive um, in what is seemingly a really good division again this year. And, yeah, I don't know. I still feel a little bit nervous about where we're at at the moment and um, just the kind of sloppiness um, that when you play for a 1-0 victory every game, you can't really afford to have. Hey, but it was a victory, Dylan. So we got to at least have yeah. some faith in the team pulling off the victory again in a place that's been difficult for them uh, forever. Right. Um, let me go to you really quick, Alan. Uh, how important, so we talked about importance. How important it was, was it to see Kubo Torres uh, get the brace in this match? I believe both goals uh, off of, well, I know the first one was off a header. I think header, the second uh, one was that a yeah. header as well. So, yeah, I well, mean, the, second, the head coming into play piece. for Kubo, what are your thoughts? I mean, um, I, I think it's a positive result that you can be happy with. Um, I think RGV played quite poorly in this match at times. Uh, and Orange County took advantage. Um, I'm not sure Orange County played terribly great at times either. I thought, you know, RGV had the momentum in the second half, but Orange County was able to withstand that um, onslaught. It's nice to see a guy like Kubo get on the board because I think once him seeing the ball hit the back of the net might kind of settle him down a little bit. Um, but, I mean, this isn't your father's RGV who seemed to be dominant at home last year. Last year, they only dropped points in seven matches. Um, I think they're already at three so far this year, and three of those being losses. They only had five at home last year. Um, so they're over halfway of their last total at home in only eight games played. Um, so it, it's not it's not great for them right now. Um, I this one's hard to kind of gauge because when you're playing a team like RGV, you, you have struggled in the past. It feels good to get out of there with three points, regardless of kind of where they are and where you are. So I think orange County should be happy with the three uh, encouraged by some signs of um, some pretty decent turnovers, uh, some pretty decent crosses to, to, to get goals. Um, but it was also kind of really poor defending in RGV in those two instances as well. Um, and you still got to be in the right spot, but uh, yeah, I'm repeating myself again, but uh, Orange County should be happy with the three, but maybe not happy with how they got the three. Now I'm going to jump to you really quick, Brad, but before I do so, I want to jump on, uh, ask a question for Peter here. Um, and this won't be a difficult question for him, but uh, if you didn't know, Peter, we do awards at the end of every season. And one of our awards we usually do is celebration of the year. Uh, what are your odds on uh, Kubo Torres and his robots uh, making the final list for celebration of the year? Do you like that type of celebration or is that overplayed? Uh, I mean, I think it's gotta be like uh it's got to be in the conversation at the end of the season, but like, really, I mean, I, I don't feel like anyone is in mid season form on their celebrations yet. So it's so hard to say. Can, can you pull off a better robot than Kubo? I absolutely cannot. <laughs> and sure, I, I wouldn't I'm... have earned it. I also can't score those goals. <laughs> oh, uh, that, that, that's pretty awesome. So you can't use that, that head of yours to get the ball into the back of the net. Um, from those crosses. That's that's pretty cool, though. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones that potentially will be a, a finalist, but I don't know. Fan, the robot seems like it's really outplayed. I don't know. What are your what are your thoughts, Brad, on A, the robot, and then let me ask you this, because we talked, Dylan talked about importance. I asked uh, Alan a question about importance, so I'm going to ask you a question about importance. How important is it for Patrick Rakowski that uh, he's seeing some returning defenders like Michael LaRosco, um, Brent Richards, and then also the the re-signing of Rob Kiernan. How important is that for Rakovsky in, in becoming that world-class keeper that he was at the end of last season in the championship run? Yeah, I mean, the least, the less you need to do uh, as the keeper, the easier it is to not allow goals in. 
Um, and definitely, I mean, um, not just the names you mentioned, but uh, Alex Villanueva had a bunch of really good clearances. Uh, I believe the replay that's showing now, he's going to get his head to it, and Rakowski just tips the ball over, you know. Last week against Indy 11, um, that ball would have found the back of the net somehow. Uh, just, just a player being there. It seems like our players are now, I mean, this is RGV. They're not as good of a team and especially this year, but it starts with just marking your man in the box. And, uh, especially if we want to win these low scoring game thrillers, you got to play better defense, which Orange County showed up a little bit better this game. And, and we've talked about it uh, recently, right? Is is you know Orange County has been on the short end of of having depth at the defensive spot. Um, we've sort of had our criticisms of, of some of the defensive settings and players playing maybe a little bit out of position, um, asking certain players like you know Scandy to play on the right side uh, when he lacks the type of pace you may want from that position. Uh, and now we're getting to a point here, here where Orange County is potentially going to have some depth now at defense because you had some of these players that probably wouldn't have been playing with a full roster uh, early on in the season, and now they've gotten some minutes under their belt. Dylan, does that uh, excite you now that we're seeing some of the injured players returning? We're seeing Rob Kiernan now is officially uh, announces back with the club. Uh, does that excite you now that we have a more solid group of defenders uh, that Richard Chapel can call on uh, for the upcoming matches as long as we stay healthy, right? Yes, he can call on them as long as we stay healthy. Um, it's it's a funny way to say that I'm excited because in having a Robbie Kiernan and a Michael Orozco in the middle instead of a Kobe Henry, Hunter Gorski, Albi Skendi combo, games will be most likely less exciting by a product of um, significantly better defending. Um, having Brent Richards in there as well is a, is a huge get um, for the back four or, or five or three, whatever it happens to be at any given moment. Um, it's nice at the back, though, because we might actually get to see what Orange County should look like. And, you know, right around this 10-game mark that we approach, hopefully we get to kind of ride off the first 10 and, and see what we can do for the remaining two-thirds of the season. Now, obviously, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to again jump to you, Peter, and I'm going to ask you a question that you, sh- you know, I'm not trying to ask you your insights on Orange County because I obviously you, you're a Roots fan. But um, how um, important in your mind when you're looking at, you know, a couple weeks ago, we had no Robbie Kiernan, no Brent Richards, no Michael Orozco, who are three probably penciled in starters in your defensive unit. Um, how important it is for a team to have these players that are, um, you know, well, very good defenders, USL uh, championship uh, tested defenders. And do you agree with Dylan? Like, cause obviously I know what Dylan's saying is, is you have these good defenders in there. It's going to, you know, lead to more of a defensive minded uh, setup for Richard Chapel. That's what orange County does. Um, would you take the, you know, low scoring victories, even if it's not the most exciting brand of soccer uh, or do you prefer more of an open game? Um, and who cares about that defense? I, I know I asked a bunch in there. If you forget anything, don't worry about it. I'll see if I can work my way through them. Um, I, I would have been more excited to face Orange County before they had their their starters back, uh, obviously. And, uh, you know, the, the win against RGV Toros, that's one of the, the shared matchups that the Roots have with Orange County uh, to date in the season. And... Uh, Orange County did better in those matchups than the Roots did. Um, as, as for my preference, um, I guess especially if I, you know, if I know my team is probably not going to win the title, I would rather see the free-flowing attacking soccer. I mean, you want you want to see goals, right? That's that's what we're here to do. Um, but you know, I mean, like in a uh, you know, if you offered me a title and the cost was going to be that my team would only ever win one nothing, I'd probably take it. Which I mean, I I I I don't blame you. I think any uh you know fan of a team is going to take that if you can guarantee a title, but you can't. It's not going to be exciting soccer. Or it's going to be slow paced. 
Uh, you're only going to have a couple really good opportunities on goal, but you're guaranteed you're going to win the, the lift that cup at the end of the year. I think almost any soccer fan uh, is going to take that um, nine times out of 10, if not 10 out of 10. Uh, you know, I, I know you say like, who doesn't want to see goals and stuff like that. I'm, I'm one of the rare exceptions. I love defense. I love the tactics. I love watching these low scoring, what I've called in the past chess matches between the coaches and the teams and, and really getting tactical behind it. So I, I don't mind this style. I know it's not Dylan's favorite style of soccer. I know, you know, we, we, we all know that we hear from him, right. Is that he'd rather see a little bit more open, a little bit more attacking style. And, and Dylan's making some faces as, as I say that uh, I, I, I think Alan and Brad are the same way. I think they would perform more wide open soccer out there. This is my, and maybe this is, is making me a little bit more biased on this is I love this brand of soccer. I love the, uh, you know, defensive aspects of it. So it's pretty awesome. Um, let us know what you all think. I mean, if anyone else here uh, that's listening uh, agrees with me, if you like the defensive chess matches and all that stuff, let us know in the comments and we'll share some of those. I, I just saw we have a, a someone that loves all the goalie saves. Chuck, way to go. You're on Team Ray, it seems like, on that one. Alan, your thoughts. Do you, do you prefer the wide open or do you like these chess matches and – um, which, which style do you think best fits orange County with their, uh, roster? I mean, why not both? Like, I think this is what made orange County, um, a little bit more exciting last year was their like lightning strike counterattacking ability. That was just like, you knew it was going to happen at some point. It was just kind of a more than win than if, um, and that's what I like about like defensive teams. They play defense to be offensive as opposed to like a certain team in Madrid who plays like almost like negative soccer. Right. I think there's a difference between playing like parking a bus and then playing defensive to be offensive. Right. Uh, and so I appreciate those style of defensive teams where it's like you absorb pressure to spring back at your opponents um, what I don't appreciate is like defense for defensive sake that like leads to no offense um, because like you're here to play, play a game and score goals. Like you're not here to just defend your half. So I think there's a way of doing it that you can get both out of it. Um, I think that's what makes, you know, some of these really good counterattacking sides really fun to watch is how explosive and quick they are. Uh, and you get that excitement one or two times a match. And then, yeah, you're watching 80 minutes of defending. But that's where I would land on. But if I had a choice, like, I want, like, all of the vibes. Like, that Man City-Real Madrid game from Champions League where it was, like, back and forth. And, like, both teams, like, one team's playing tactics. The other team is playing just, like, let's see if we can figure this out on the pitch. Like, give as a neutral, give me those day games every uh, every day of the week. But as like someone who roots for the team, I want less heart attacks. So I would prefer a counterattacking style for my own team um, versus like the run and gun. But give me a run and gun any day of the week. Look at the run and gun coming out with like the old 80s NFL tactics in here, the run and gun. Um, if anyone doesn't know what that is, go check out some old. Was it Buddy Ryan back in the days NFL? I think he was the run and gun guy. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Let me know. Um, Brad, your last thoughts on this match, and then we're going to get to our prediction updates, uh, scoreboard updates. Go for it, Brad. I'm going to let you handle all this. Your thoughts on the match, and then get us into the updates on how the prediction uh, game is going. The updates are going to need to come later. I'm just finishing up the spreadsheet, but it's going to take me a couple extra minutes. You know what? Don't give me that old man concern look. Um, my final thoughts on this match is – it's good to be in the win column. I think what we've had two wins and both of them have come against uh, RGV so far this season, but that's still six points that you need, especially in a uh, head-to-head matchup. We're not going to face them until the end of the, or until the playoffs if they make playoffs or we make playoffs. Um, but a win's a win. I can't complain about that, even if there are things that we could be doing better as a team. Awesome. So we'll give Brad some time to finalize what's going on with the predictions, but I will let you guys know right now, Alan, his score prediction was not correct. We know that absolutely uh, his score prediction of 61 to nine um, in favor of Orange County did not work out. Although he did get some points for predicting the correct. Uh, I was so close. Winner. 
you got the correct winner at least. So go for it. Um, so for Orange County to be able to continue and get two wins in a row and, and get a, a nice long winning streak going here, at, at least in the 2022 season, they're going to have to take down uh, a former foe from the playoffs in 2021. And that's Oakland roots. I, if you didn't know, that's why we brought Peter on to the show this week is we are facing the roots and he's an expert. Uh, is it okay if I call you an expert on the roots, Peter? Uh, you, you can call me that. I don't know if I would agree with you. <laughs> um, but let's, uh, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this matchup. First and foremost, Peter, uh, let us know how are the roots looking so far this season? Um, give us your, your breakdown, uh, quick, uh, old school term again, cliff notes version, uh, <laughs> or cliffs notes version of the roots so far in 2022. Yeah. The, the roots got off to a rocky start, uh, three straight losses, uh, it looked like they were turning things around. Uh, they had then not lost a game for, I guess, five straight matches uh, and then lost to Colorado Springs. Uh, so the the points that they're putting up are really not what they had hoped. Um, they're, they're still, there's still promise, but it's really, it's a lack of consistency really from, from all three units. Um, the uh, attack looks good in, in flashes uh, the the midfield is, I, I guess, consistent but not great, and the defense looks really good until it completely capitulates. Uh, so that's how you end up with however many points the Roots are on after nine games, something like seven points. You got it. You got the seven points right. Uh, is there something uh, in the water up in that neck of the woods? You know, Oakland Roots struggling a little bit early, Monterey Bay struggling early in the season here. Uh, both of those teams are basically – the bottom of the table, 12th and 13th in the West Western conference. Is it something in the water is just growing pains? Cause again, roots are second year in, in USL championship Monterey Bay. It's their first year. Is, is, is there something weird going on or is it just something fans uh, were prepared for uh, Oak and roots fans, at least were prepared for coming into uh, a new league last year. There's some real division in the fan base on, on what's going on. Um, I, I don't know if it's so much being a second year team as, as much the growing pains of having a new coach. Um, I was going to raise this. Um, I don't know, you know, how much, how much you guys or, or your listeners have, have watched the roots this season. It is, it is a different lineup. There are maybe two starters from the playoffs last season that you will recognize as starters for the game on Saturday. Um, uh, Joseph Nane started in the playoffs, one of the defensive midfielders, uh, he may be replaced by Matias Fasore, who also started. They played. They ran two defensive midfielders in the playoffs, um, but we're only running one now, and so one or the other is likely to play. And then the central midfielder Jose Hernandez. Otherwise, it's it's entirely new guys. Uh, the the defense is largely completely turned over. The wingers are different, and all of the forwards have changed. Um, and I, I think that that's the main issue. I think that that's why they're struggling to to connect. They're struggling to reliably score goals, and when it works, it's brilliant. But I, you know, they're just having a hard time making it work every game. So I think I, I want to say first and foremost, welcome. You, I mean, that makes you an official team in the USL Championship. Is that roster turno- turnover year in and year out? Uh, most of the teams that have been around for a while are used to that. The fan bases I know in Orange County, we've gone through that every single year. You got like half of a new roster. Um, players that weren't there this previous season, which obviously makes it difficult in these early part of the season. So I think what you tend to see is in the, in the early parts of the season, those teams that maybe have some more stability in the roster and their coaching staff maybe get off to better starts. And then we see who's able to gel midseason and make that late run and who just couldn't figure it out and, and whatnot. And that's the way the USL championship goes. Um, what, uh, what do you look at? Uh, I don't know what you've seen about Orange County, what prep you've done looking at them this season, uh, what you know. Uh, but what does what does Oakland have to do? Like if the kickoff, kickoff starts and you're 20 minutes in, what is Oakland doing right that uh, you're looking at it as this is a, a good opportunity to get three points against Orange County? Well, so I in, in my research for this, I, I looked up, you know, how Orange County season's going. And it looks like the, your offense is really struggling with consistency as well. And maybe that is uh, on, on the upswing uh, with Torres's brace. But, I, you know, I think that a, a good Roots performance is going to start with uh, either shutting out Orange County or keeping them to one goal. 
Um, and I, I may be tipping my hand on my prediction for this game, which I'm sure we, we come to at the end. But uh, I, I think that that's what I'm going to look for is when Orange County has possession, it will be uh, toothless passing, you know, passing around the midfield, but not getting it into the roots box. Um, I'll give you the insider scoop of why the offense is struggling is uh, no Bernardo Damas uh, up top, which was a key part of the attack for Orange County. Um, sort of that excitement that we heard some of the other guys on here say is, is you're missing that excitement from a player like Ronaldo Damas up top where you can um, almost guarantee two to three exciting opportunities on goal, even if maybe they're not always on target. He's going to at least put the energy in. He's going to get up there um, and, and all that. Uh, Dylan. You have a question uh, for Peter or a comment or a thought? Go for it. I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna control this right now. I'm gonna let you go, Dylan. Why? Why have you done this, um, Peter? Very quickly, uh, five words describe the Roots' season thus far. Inconsistent, but silver linings abound. Okay. Um, Five more words. What are these silver linings? Our loney striker looks good. Okay. And of course, silver linings only come from rain clouds. Five words. What are those dreary Bay Area rain clouds casting shadows over your team right now? The crosses aren't finding him. You know what? That was impressive. I was going to say, that's really good. And who, who knew Dylan is the one that's going to ask the most difficult questions of the night. I mean, you could, I can almost see a, a couple of little uh, dribbles of sweat coming down Peter's forehead there because of those questions. Cause he's sitting there trying to think, am I five words? I, I don't know. And, and I'm sorry. I, I was it. confused. I thought, I thought Dylan's question was supposed to be five words. So I counted six words in his first question. That's why I was holding up six when I was doing the, uh, the video stream here, Alan. Uh, are you gonna do, do, do you I have smell, more difficult do, questions? Do I smell a new segment coming from Roots Blog? Is uh, I, no, I don't know be... that we could reliably count that well. No, th- this will be something we're gonna do on our show now. Dylan's gonna, every time we have a guest, Dylan's gonna, you know, we're gonna do like five words with Dylan, and he's gonna have to ask three questions of our guest. Why do Even I get all player, of the bits? If it's like, uh, uh, Coach Richard Chaplow, GM Oliver Vies, he's going to have to ask those questions that way. Uh, can yeah. I can I turn this around and ask uh, what what I mean, ask you're, Dylan the hard questions? What you're looking uh, if things are going well for Orange County, twenty minutes into the the matchup this weekend, what are you seeing from Orange County? Who who do you want to answer that question, Peter? Uh, I'll take a- anyone who, who thinks they have a good answer. Somehow we scored a goal. <laughs> I forget whose analysis is, but I'm going to steal it is we score a goal before the other team and we're good. Ooh, actually I would like to change mine. Um, somehow we didn't concede yet. <laughs> I, I got one. Let's go park the bus. <laughs> this is really derailed. <laughs> Ray is now pulling a brag. I'm muted. Alan, do you have a serious answer for Peter on this one? You're going to me for a serious answer? Uh, I think it's the same for you're both the, teams. You're the expert from the USL show that's part of this, this group of, of ragtag whatever expert. you call um, it. I think for both teams, it's it's pretty much the same. Like If you're not conceding early, you feel good. Um I don't want to speak for Peter, but I thought the I think the three zero uh, Colorado Springs uh, in the scoreline does really a really disservice to the way Oakland played for a large majority of that match. Um, Oakland went toe to toe with Tampa Bay, although Tampa Bay doesn't look nearly as good as they've looked in the past. But I mean, from Oakland to go toe to toe with that team as well, like Oakland's record, I don't think is as fairly representative of the play over the course of the game. Uh, I think they let in kind of a cheap goal and it kind of waterfall toward the end. Maybe like confidence slagged. It's like you work so hard and then the first goal goes in like that. You're just like deflated. Um, but I, I think 
Orange County shouldn't underestimate Oakland. And Oakland shouldn't overestimate Orange County, if that makes sense. Like, I think Oakland has a could have a tendency. They haven't ever beaten Orange County, if my memory serves me correct. So, like, they haven't even – I don't even think they've gotten points. I think they've lost every time. Um, well, playoffs, it's a, you know, drop, whatever. But I think maybe there's a mental hurdle that Oakland might need to get over, and Orange County can play into it by frustrating them early and not allowing them to score. Um, and so I think for Orange County, it's if it's nil-nil at halftime, you're doing great. Like, I think if you let in one goal, you know, Kubo scored two. There's there's a potential for Orange County to get multiple goals. Um, but the way they're playing statistically right now, maybe they're good for it every third game for two goals. Uh, but they're... You know their XG against is is right around the same number, so it's gonna. If Orange County wants to play the game that they can control either through defensively or possession, they want a low scoring game. Um, I'm not sure Oakland also has more than a couple goals in them too, uh, but I think if Orange County walks in at halftime nil nil, I think they feel good. If they're up a goal, they feel even better. Right, we saw what they did with RGV. They're up, and they kind of like—I don't say survived, but they defended really well. RGV had some momentum, but they never broke down, and that's with a inconsistent at times backline. So that's my serious answer to: if Orange County isn't behind at halftime, then I think so that they are I, feeling pretty good. I love how Alan took the twenty-minute timeline and moved it to halftime there for his analysis there. I'm going to say this. If Orange County looks solid in the back, uh, you know, in the defense for those first 20 minutes, and they don't look shaky. They don't look nervous. They're not making early mistakes in the back line. That's where you have maybe some confidence in what you're going to see out of Orange County. Uh, I, I think too many times this season, you've seen just some really sh- poor choices on defense, a little bit of uh, poor marking up. And, and part of this has to do with, you know, the fact that you had some injuries, you didn't have Rob Kiernan on the roster yet. You didn't have Brett Richards available early in the season. So we were playing players like Kobe Henry and Gorski and Scandy as your three defenders and, and nothing against those three players. But when you're looking at this season, returning champions, you're not looking at those three as your starting uh, three defenders uh, for a, a championship run. Right. Uh, because you're looking at Skendi again, we've talked about this numerous times, a fifth tier English player making his jump to the USL championship. I'm not saying that us soccer is at the same level as English soccer, but still you're going from the fifth tier in England to the second tier in us. There's going to be some um, difficulties there. Uh, and you know, nothing against Kobe Henry, but he's still just what just turned 18. Um, really great player, really good player for his age, but you're going to have those mistakes that you get from a youngster uh, when it comes to uh, playing minutes, even if it is the second tier in the U S so I I think the good sign for orange County and, and what maybe gives fans hope in this match at 20 minutes is if the defenses look solid and they've looked like they're not going to make mistakes and they're not going to uh, get nervous out there. And hopefully, you know, like I said, Michael Orozco, Brett Richards, uh, maybe Rob Kiernan makes uh, a start. Uh, I don't know how ready he is for that, but uh, those types of things are going to be what's going to be awesome to see from Orange County and definitely give the fans some confidence. Um, go for it. Do you have any other questions for us, Peter? I, I want to let you, you know, let you ask some questions. So that way, if you want to share with any of your followers, listeners, readers, what you've learned from us. Uh, so I, I, I looked at the, the lineups, at least from FB ref, I don't know how, uh, reliable those are. Is Orange County running, running three center backs or two center backs? How is that, that working? And then also, um, to give you a little more time to think about the answer, what does the offense look like, uh, outside of Torres sort of what's the, what's the game plan? So I'll jump on really quick on this. Yeah. The, the. I think the, the outset of the season, I think Chaplo, his game plan is three center backs and then the two wing backs uh, playing uh, wide, which is what we've pretty much seen all season. Uh, again, with injuries, you're seeing a mix, uh, a, a mismatch uh, mix up of different players playing those center back roles. Uh, and one of my biggest complaints so far has been seeing someone like a, 
uh, Skendi playing on the right center back of a back three. Um, this is a guy that's six foot five, probably has, if we're playing uh, FIFA, the video game series, he probably has a pace rating of like 15. Um, so that's not really someone you want to have on your back right side of a center back three, um, which would be difficult. Um, uh, <laughs> I see even Chuck is not impressed yet, but Chuck, you got to remember, this is a fifth tier English soccer player that's coming in and asked, being asked to play big minutes. Um, as far as the offense, this is my opinion on it is there's been, uh, there, there's been no one to fill in for what we had last season with Ronaldo Damas is, uh, and what fit in with probably I'm going to assume is what coach Richard Chaplow's game plan was for this season, at least for the first part until the summer transfer window opened, um, is having that pacey, attacking forward that you can sort of just send the ball over the midfield and get it to Ronaldo Damas and ask him to do Ronaldo Damas type things and play with energy uh, and basically, uh, you know, get a goal or, or create a goal out of almost nothing uh, in those situations. And then you can just sit back for 80% of the game because you've scored that goal from Ronaldo Damas over the top. Um, nothing against Kubo Torres, nothing against, uh, Okoli, Ugo Okoli, but neither of those players are Ronaldo Damas. Uh, I'm not saying they're not better or as good as, or or they're worse than than Damas. It's just they're not that same type of player. Uh, so you don't have that energetic up top player. I mean, I I want to say when Ugo first returned to Orange County a few seasons back, I, I think Dylan and I talked about this. I said um, he's just not a a a uh, high work rate attacker, you know, as it comes, cause we had just come off a season with Michael Seaton, who's someone that basically fights hard uh, on that half of the field to get the ball and try and make something happen. And then you watch someone like an Ugo Coley, who, if it doesn't work or it doesn't go right for him, he sort of stops and, and lets the ball go where it goes and waits for his next opportunity. Um, I I'm, I'm one of those people that likes a high work rate type player. And I love Ugo Coley. He's awesome. But, and maybe he's changed a little bit since he first came over, but I still feel like once it doesn't go right, maybe he's taking the foot off the gas. Dylan, correct me if I'm wrong there. I mean, Ray, we have to give him some credit because 2020 Ugo Coley, I would say, yeah, um, he was not impressive early on. Um, kind of that like target man idea where he doesn't do too much that isn't directly involved with scoring or assisting a goal. Um, but the Ugo Coley we saw last year, 2021, the Ugo Coley that I mean, so far, I also want to say like, he's been working hard. I mean, we have to remember that um, against Indy 11, he's, he's going back to try and win a header at the edge of our own box while we're defending. So some, something has changed there. Um, maybe he's a little more happy to, do some dirty work here in this system. Maybe he just recognizes that it needs to get done. Um, a la Michael Seaton in 2019, but you gotta give him some credit. He's just, I, okay. of course, this is not the right. Ugo Coley of 2016 where he was uh, quite a bit more lean before someone had said, you know, hey, you should become a target man and hey, bulk up and, you know, so yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, we don't have someone that can run for 120 minutes, week after week after week, and is one of the fastest people in the league. And uh, that's probably why playing for 1-0 victories um, doesn't work. Because, like, if your beloved Tottenham, for example, had thrown Chris Wood up top and said, go get it, buddy, instead of having, like, a, a son or a Steven Bergevin, um, it wouldn't work because he is massive and slow and um, offers nothing about ball progression. And let's, uh, let's make sure we stick there. You know, we can wrap up any English soccer talk. We don't need to hear about any other English soccer teams from this point on. We brought up Tottenham. We're good to go. We're good to go. Um, Alan, do you have any uh, answers for Peter in his questions about, uh, you know, whatever he asked? Yeah, I'm not sure Orange County has necessarily figured out the best way for them to attack yet. Um, I mean, Ugo Coley's touches are mostly on the right attacking side, but like pretty far from the box. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think they're trying to figure out how to work him in. Um, obviously Oloski was uh, a big name early. Uh, Ugo has been playing all right, but he started out pretty hot with, you know, three goals and an assist. Um, and 
you know, the first five matches, including the Open Cup, and then has gone a little bit more silent um, over the course of the season. Uh, Eric Torres is, you know, Kubo Torres had a, a couple of really nice headed goals, and I think there's some opportunities there, but, you know, one coming from a set piece and one coming kind of from a broken play, uh, so not necessarily the run of play, um, is, like, is, like hopeful. It's like... Like, hey, we, we might be able to figure out how to get him in um, in a USL match. Uh, and I think um, with that turnover, we talked about this, I think, last week or two weeks ago, two weeks ago, um, is Orange County has had a high turnover. So it's trying to figure out how those pieces all fit together um, is difficult, right? When when Chaplow took over, he knew a lot of the players really well and knew their strengths and weaknesses and really could identify how to play them the best. I think right now he's getting used to these new players coming in and figuring out how to get the most out of them. Um, so I'm not sure they've quite figured it out. Um, he needs to get more minutes and he is rapid. Yeah, I think if they can find the guy who has speed, I think that they're going to go with a very similar approach. But right now I don't think they necessarily have that going on. Kubo's not quick. Sean Okoli's not quick. Okoli's not quick. Um, so they're missing that piece, but yeah, I think they're, they're trying to figure it out. I still think we need to go figure out where Vinicius is and bring him back to the club. Uh, he might be able to fill into that Ronaldo Damas role. Uh, Brad last, the, you get the last shot at uh, the question Peter asked, um, if you have anything to go, are you still trying to figure out the, uh, no, the scores, the score sheet should be updated. At least it's on the uh, Discord group. Um, honestly, getting lucky seems to be uh, how Orange County has gotten most of our goals so far this year. And I don't mean like ball falls at feet, kick ball in, just luckily. I mean, we haven't seemed to find something that works for us. And uh, the things that have worked have been different over the course of the season, I don't know if it's something that's getting practiced on the training ground or if it's uh, something that uh, the team has just been improving at. So getting lucky. Um, Anything else anyone wants to ask anyone in this group? And again, Peter, if you have another question for us, let us know. I mean, we'll, we'll answer them. Um, I, I, I don't have a question. Uh, I, I have been solicited to provide some lineup and strategy information about the Roots, so I can uh, uh, throw that at you. Um, the Roots came into the season, we think, planning to play a back four. They have been playing a back three or five, sort of however you want to look at it. So everything I'm going to tell you is based on having three center backs, but there's always a possibility that the coach has decided he's having enough and he's going to run his back four you know, uh, whether it works or not. So what you're looking at is three center backs. Uh, two of them are, are, are new arrivals. Uh, Alejandro Fuenmayor, who played for Houston Dynamo for a while, never really sort of uh, took off there. And Danny Barbier, I don't know if you guys played Sporting Kansas City 2 last year, um, but he was a sort of a rock on their defense. And then you know, when they when they collapsed and the other USL teams looted them for parts, the, the Roots picked up uh, Barbier, having been really impressed with him in the game that the Roots played against them. The center backs primarily main, maintain possession because the, the midfield that the Roots are running does not do a great job of maintaining possession. They are a, a defensive midfielder and a central midfielder. Um, and... When they get the ball, they are very frequently playing a pass up to a forward who's going to pass it back and looking to spring the two wingbacks. The two wingbacks are crazy fast. Uh, Eduardo Rito, uh, who came over from Venezuela, and Juan Carlos Azucar, who was on uh, uh, Rio Grande Valley last year. Um, and they do the, the vast bulk of getting the ball from defense to offense. Um so, and part of the reason why I think the Roots are having to play three center backs is that they're not contributing as much in defense as, as you need if you want to run a back four, basically. Um, and then the Roots run three attackers, uh, functionally two attacking midfielders and a, and, a, and a pure striker. The pure striker is this uh, Loney from Venezia. 
um, this large blonde Icelander. Um, and then the two supporting attacking midfielders have, have changed some. There's a Charlie Dennis who came up from FC Tucson. Uh, the Roots trying to get their own sort of Ronaldo Damas, picking somebody out of uh, USL League One and hoping that they, uh, you know, turn up better cards than they thought they were going to. Um, so he's been playing on the right and he like shows flashes of brilliance. He never pulls the trigger when you want him to. Uh, so he always looks off the first runner. He never takes the shot first time. And, and you feel like he's actually pretty good when he pulls the trigger on his pass or shot and you wish he'd just do it. Um, and then on the left side, it was Lidno Mafeka for a while. Um, more recently, it's been Darius Formella, who I'm sure you all remember from Sacramento. Um, and he has a couple goals and he's had some good looks. I mean, he had an opportunity to break hope, break open the Colorado Springs game, uh, but he, he messed it up. He, he blew it. Uh, that was five minutes in, uh, the Roots almost took the lead. He was put clear through on goal and he just, he like couldn't quite get around the keeper the way he wanted to. Um, yeah, the Roots keeper. Um, so last year it was, last year the Roots went through it uh, in goal. So one of their designated players, uh, or one of their, sorry, their international slots was Zeus Delapaz, uh, who is the uh, the keeper for the Curacao national team. And he just he just didn't come good. Uh, he, he got COVID maybe twice. And when he finally was able to actually play for the team, he just made some like boneheaded errors. At, at one point, he it wasn't counted as an own goal, but he like he got the ball and the forward was running at him and he just leathered the ball right into the forward's torso and it looped back over his head into the goal. Um, so uh, they got some starts uh, from Taylor Bailey for a while and then ultimately replaced him with Paul Blanchett, who's a, a local guy. And he really carried the team through the end of the season, did really well in the playoffs. He scored, uh, uh, he saved a penalty, um, which uh, I guess someone uh, thought differently about whether whether or not it was a legitimate save. Um, I'm sure you all remember that. Uh, it was a little unclear what the Roots were planning to do this season, uh, although that mystery was cleared up. They, they brought in an international slot. Um, I think on loan, uh, Benny Diaz, who was uh, maybe the backup keeper at Tijuana. Um, and he's he's looked pretty good. Um, he He's maybe not the world's best shot stopper, but he's been doing pretty well in circulating play. He got really unlucky uh, in the equalizing goal in El Paso, um, but overall has looked pretty good. No keeper looks good coming off of a 3-0 loss, um, but... Uh, he was my man of the match in El Paso. I mean, he had like five or six saves in that game. Um, so yeah, that's that's the rundown on, on what the Roots are doing. They they try to win possession in midfield, uh, maintain possession by circling back, circulating back to the center backs, and then try to get a quick break down the sides and then put in these decisive crosses, either straight in for a one-touch finish or for a forward to then, you know, pass on to one of the other forwards in the box to slot something in. It, it's working okay. They have 12 goals in uh, eight games, or 12 goals in nine games, which is okay. Um, but you need a better defense if you want to make the playoffs with 12 goals per nine games. Uh, so <laughs> yes, and Benny Diaz is listed as Wikipedia on Wikipedia as being from California uh, ambiguously. Yeah, it's like he is born. In, he was born in California, the United States. Like I was like, that's <laughs> no city, that is. just like no a random city, part of the state. No, yeah, and it like where it says like literally like born, it just says California, United States, like place of birth, just California. Yeah, it's could, really. Does that mean he doesn't have like a legit birth certificate or something? I, I I'm wondering now. We got to figure this out, Dylan. Do the uh, do the research on this, Dylan. You're the the investigative reporter of the group. You make it sound like I'm some sort of truther. Like I'm not getting involved with that. I don't care where the dude was born. Hey, dude, you're the one that you're the one that broke the whole uh, Thomas Jewel Nelson and all that craziness that happened when he was first with the club. Um, you 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 shared the story of of his knee injuries and all that fun stuff. So we'll let you handle that, Dylan. Um, as far as goalkeepers go, uh, Benny Diaz 
I think it's like a 57% save percentage this season. Patrick Rakowski is 63% save percentage. Sounds like both of these teams like to play like defensive setups. So this is going to be the most exciting game, I think, for both of these two teams all season. Um, at least I'm going to love this game. Again, I'm the defensive-minded person. I want to see the tactics going on. Um, Brad, are you ready with those uh, prediction standings? Yeah. You want to uh, let Andy, our listeners I don't know. know. If, uh, Can if you let us got... know? Can you let us know last week who who won just last week alone? Just last week alone, who won? Um, I believe two people out of us. Uh, out of us. Out, out of, of us. Of oh, us. out of us. Okay, let's start with us. Um, last week, uh, the highest. Oh, I see what you're doing there. Uh, Ray is the highest uh, from last week. Thank you. A... Thank you very much, Brad. Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, you know, I I. I have to give all credit to myself for such an amazing job of deferring my pick to our guests last week. Um, they, uh, they made the prediction for me. So, um, which Peter, by the way, you're going to make a prediction for me on this game. So I'll let you uh, try and predict who's how this goes. Okay. Or did I, wait, I did. We have, we didn't have a guest last week. No, we didn't. I'm confused. I actually did. I actually did a good job. <laughs> Damn. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good at this. Go ahead, Brad. I won't cut you off again. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Um, but I'm really good at this. I'm really good at this prediction thing. Uh, we had like two done, uh, but... perfect guesses uh, this past week. We had, I believe it was uh, Jen and uh, – man, I can't remember the other one. I'm not going to reopen the darn tab. Thanks, Ray. Uh, our two pre- perfect pre- predictions, I can't English, are Jen and um, Mikey. And then, I mean, scores are listed on the screen now. Um, anything else to add, Ray? Amrod, you're in line for a, a – uh, oh, I'm muted. Am I muted? Oh, <laughs> no, no, I'm not muted. <laughs> you have devolving into pure game. The The anti-Brad. I think I was muted and then I got unmuted by the host, apparently, uh, is what my screen said. Uh, but it looks like Emrod is now in line to win a prize uh, because Dylan apparently decided to choke on his predictions uh, this past week. Uh, but again, remember, anyone that at the end of the season is better than any of us, like the, the, the best of us, will get something. I don't know what it'll be. We'll figure it out. Um, but I, I'm just going to say this. I, I did a good job of score predicting last week because i did the best out of all, uh, at least us on the show so can i get my congratulations from dylan brad and and alan no no <laughs> come on brad he said no but he's muted <laughs> yeah i also um, had said no but i was muted <laughs> um let's do the 62 our predictions for this match Dylan's like ready to like leave this show right now. He's like, what the hell just happened? Um, Peter's like, what did I sign up for, for uh, joining these guys? I thought this was a more professionally run show, but no, it's not Peter. When we're not in playoff mode, this is what we do. When we're in playoff mode, we get a little bit more serious, but this is now early May Um, predictions for this match against Oakland. Um, Because I did the best last week, I'm going to go first this week, and I'm going to defer to Peter. Peter, you get to do my predictions for this match. Um, The way we're going to do it, let us know Orange County's score first, and then the opponent's score, and we'll go from there. So what do you think the score will be? And and remember, before you do put in your prediction, you can make some silly prediction like 69-9 or 69-420 to or or something along the line. Make it it as – Peter wants Make to look like he knows he what can. he's talking about when it comes to to soccer. He wants to look good for his uh, Roots blog followers, so he doesn't he want has a to. a prediction on his Roots blog. This is your a... prediction, not his. Hey, but his Roots blog followers are going to listen to this show and be like, Peter is crazy because he says one thing with us and one thing with someone else. I'm, I'm not really that concerned about anyone thinking that I'm crazy. Um, but I will give you my real prediction. My real prediction is uh, Orange County 1, Oakland 2. I love Brad tried to work the game there, and it did not work, Brad. You should lose a point just for that. Uh, Brad, what's your prediction? 
Uh, my prediction is uh, 2 0 Orange County. Dylan. Got to get back on top. Orange County 1, Oakland Roots 1. <laughs> Alan, what <laughs> is yours? That's what I was going to pick. Um, you can copy me. I Wait, I love that Dylan always gave me a hard time for my, you know, my predictions because I thought they would work for something. And then he goes all season long and just says 1-1. One, one. Oh, hold it's like on. He's not even it's trying because anything. I think that's a realistic scoreline for just about every single Orange County game these days. It's like you're not even trying anymore, Dylan. Alan, what's your prediction? Um, I'm going to go 1-1 one, one as well. And then just to throw out some predictions that we're seeing on the chats for our live stream, Golington with a 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, Joseph Figueroa with a 3-1 for Orange County. Um, share what you think. Let Brad know what your prediction is. Chuck Eldridge, 2-0 Orange County. Uh, sorry, Peter. It looks like the Orange County fans are are going our way for some reason. Who knew Who knew that would happen when you came onto our show, right? I, based on last season, the, the smart money is on Orange County. Based on last season. But uh, apparently yeah. this season, it's not really going well for either team. So, I mean, who knows where the smart money is. Uh, Brad, let us know what the Nevada bookmakers are thinking for this match. Where do we have Orange County since you have easy access to all that? Um, let's get into this. Soccer stuff. Any other soccer things other than Orange County versus Oakland, Orange County, Oakland Roots? Anything other than those two teams that we want to talk about before we wrap things up? Uh, for like 45 minutes today, uh, Villarreal was having the upset of the century over Liverpool, but uh, only for 45 minutes. Don't give Alan that opportunity to be excited on this show, man. We do not want to hear Alan brag about Liverpool. I would like to point out that they never actually led in the tie. It was only a draw, but props to them. Oh, and their fans were amazing, both home and away. Like Villarreal's fans like showed up both home and away. So congratulations to those fans on a great season. Sorry, you're like seventh in La Liga. Um, <laughs> Way to throw that in at the end there, Alan. To uh, championship champions Fulham and Alexander Mitrovic for now holding the single season scoring record um, in the championship. I think 43 goals. Um, so Fulham back in the prem. This time without Scott Parker. This time with Mitrovic probably in the line. Maybe they'll just um, stay up this time. And we also, won't Bournemouth. Talk about... oh, Bournemouth winning one. today. Yeah, also. Um, I believe they won today. And so by winning today over Nottingham Forest, as it says in ESPN, uh, they also rocketed themselves. Apparently the one goal they scored was an absolute stunner. Uh, so congratulations Apparently. to both of them. And Luton Town is still in. He doesn't know. Still in contention to. Uh... Dylan's sad though. Yes, the wheels are um, falling off the bus a little bit as they lost seven uh, nil to Fulham. So here we go. I got a couple things to talk about. I actually get to say Tottenham, and it actually relates to Orange County because Tottenham um, has announced they are hosting a friend, or not hosting. They are traveling to. Glasgow, Scotland for a friendly against Rangers. So that's where the Orange County connection comes in right there. Also, uh, the club Orange County SC announced earlier, I believe today, about this collaboration with Social Distortion. We all know Miko Kanungas is a huge Social D fan. Um, I want to sort of take credit for this collection because like a year ago, we had Miko on the show and we did a mock-up of Miko in the Social D logo with a soccer ball. And now we're seeing this awesome merchandise coming through uh, from this collaboration between Social D and Orange County SC. Uh, I I love it because I'm a huge music person. So I love to see Orange County making connections with some local bands, local musicians. And this is an awesome opportunity for that. So there's some hats. There's actually like a warm-up kit or or, or training kit, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and a few other things available with the um, social D connection there. It's really awesome stuff. I, I need to get that warm up kit. Um, that's something I'm definitely going to look at trying to get. I have not bought a kit for the 2022 season. I think that's going to be where I'm going to go. Um, just cause I think that looks pretty darn cool. Uh, but some awesome merchandise coming out. Um, it's awesome to see this, 
this connection with some music, local music, and also just some really cool designs with some of the merchandise. Uh, Dylan, Alan, Brad, are any of you excited about any of this stuff? I know Brad is. I, I saw in the chats Brad was excited about some of these things. Um, I like the hat because I like the skelly, but as for the music itself, like I have other preferences. I don't well, you're from it. Reno, so you don't know nothing about Social D. <laughs> Producer Andy wants that warm up. I, I'm on. I, I'm with you, Andy. I think we're definitely both of us are getting that thing. We're going to support that. I think that's really darn cool. Um, it's just uh, it's a great way. <laughs> Chuck is waiting for the no doubt collaboration. Um, hey, you know what? There's some great music that came out of uh, Orange County. You got to remember, like, there's also artists like Aloe Black. Um, you know, th th there's there's a lot of great music that has come out of Orange County uh, that you can potentially see some collabos with. And I think that's why Orange County I, is trying to get some of these music things going as well. Alan. I believe in the pitch meeting, there was a pitch for No Doubt. And the person who was deciding said, don't speak. I know. Yeah, thank you to the producer because we could all see that one coming. Good God. My hope oh. is that we get a social D show because they're doing a new album and that would be a pretty sweet Saturday night to have. As long as, long as it doesn't like get canceled for whatever reason for un uh, unknown circumstances or un um, controllable circumstances. Um, but no, it's true. awesome that to be, see that collaboration. That would be a true tragic kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn damn you alan oh peter this this who, may be a risky be... place to this may be a risky venue to say this but uh i i don't know if you saw roots blogs uh player hate rankings last season but miko Kaningas snuck in at five on most oh five most hated players um but he he may be falling off that list knowing that he's a social distortion fan hey you know that I, I think we've talked about in the show multiple times is, um, you know, Miko Kaningas. And there's also a player that's now back on the team, Rob Kiernan, that are, I mean, that's sort of their goals out there on the pitch is to get under the skin. I, I know Alan still has a, a bad taste in his mouth from Rob Kiernan um, and what he did to his San Diego loyal. Uh, was it two seasons ago now? Yeah. Um, it was a handball of those the things. Yeah. It's, 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 Orange County fans love it. It, it, it. It's one of those things like, right, you love that type of player when they're on your team, and when they're on the opponent, you hate that player. Um, just something that comes out of mind because I'm a basketball fan, I'm a Clipper fan, was Patrick Beverly. Um, when he's on your team, you love him. When he's not on your team, you hate that guy. You want to just like punch him or choke him or whatever uh, maybe just from what the way they act. So I get your 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 hatred in Oakland for – Miko Kaningas, because we see it. We know what he does to you, and we love it here in Orange County uh, because he's on our team and he's trying to do that. So, um, but yeah, he's a huge So So D fan. Um, I, he came on our show and let us know. Uh, we That's how we learned, right? That's how we learned that he loves Social D is we asked him the questions, and it was pretty cool. Our producer wants to get us to random thoughts. Yeah, we're way past our time. So let's get to our random thoughts. Um, Dylan, random thoughts in five words. It's not that easy, huh, Dylan? Man, that's not a lot. All right. Alan, your random thought. I don't think I can do it in five words. Uh, the Sockers are playing for the championship of the Indoor Soccer League on Sunday. Uh, should be a fun one if you're um, in the area. Get a ticket, come down. It should be a really good game against the florida tropics um but if i was gonna sum up five word random thought i would just say underneath it all baby did you invite your phoenix like followers to come out to the soccer's match because we all know they love indoor soccer out there in phoenix uh brad what is your random thought um do i need to do it in five words or less no, the yes. only one that had to do five words or less was Dylan. Oh, okay. Well, um, this is my random thought in five words, uh, and then I'll follow it up with normal. Um, I was in Oakland Sunday. Um, following it up, uh, went to a 100% gluten-free brewery. The beers were all gluten-free. The menu was all gluten-free. It was called Buck Wild, and definitely would suggest going to it. Um, it's over, I think, a 
actually not too far away from uh, Laney College itself, where uh, the Root Stadium is. Um, so yeah, definitely would su- suggest if you do go to a game day down in Oakland. Although I know that the one we go to this year is on a Wednesday. Um, definitely go try that place out. It was nice having beer with my girlfriend who cannot typically drink beer. If, like if, I, could, if I could build on that, I don't want to. I don't want to jump in on someone else's random thought. Uh, I live like a, like a mile from Buckwild. It's on my commute home. Uh, Jack London is an awesome place to hang out. If you do come up for a game, uh, you know, reach out uh, to the Reeds blog people. We'll put you in touch with the supporters. Uh, they have tailgates for every game. They're generally open to the public as long as you're, uh, you know, going to be, uh, you know, <laughs> polite, I guess. Now, the the big question, Peter, will you share a, a, a shot of Malort with these people that come join you? Because that's Brad's going to pull out his Malort right now. He's got his Malort. <laughs> Do you know what Malort is, Peter? Oh, he, he, I, he I lived should. in Chicago for uh, three years. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so um, he, knows, he knows. Apparently, the Reno guys, this was their tradition. And when Dylan, myself, our producer, Andy, were up there and a few other Orange County fans, they forced us to drink this stuff. And it was like oh. the worst thing ever. Uh, I don't know if you agree on that, Peter. It's it, it's garbage. It is the worst thing <laughs> I've ever consumed. But like the, the answer is yes, I'll still do it. I have yeah. a bottle. It's, <laughs> it's like uh, sometimes you just want to feel like trash. <laughs> there you go. Um, my round of thought really quick. Alan, the Orange and Black Soccer Cast wants to punch you so hard next time. Just so you know. So I just wanted to let you know that's that's what my random thought is right there. There we go. There it is on the screen. Um, it's time to wrap things up because we went six, seven minutes further than we wanted to go on this. But I do want to thank our guest, Peter, from Oakland Roots Blog uh, for joining us. Uh, Peter, what's the uh, website or where can our listeners uh, follow your blog, follow you? How do they hear more from you and your, your friends over there at the Roots Blog? Uh, yeah, so we have a new website. It is now just oaklandrootsblog.com. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Peter W. Bloom uh, or find our official uh, Twitter account, which is at Oak Roots Blog, uh, which is run by uh, Aaron, who was on this podcast uh, last season. Um, is much funnier than me, but everyone assumes that I run the uh, the Twitter account. Um you can also find uh, our our actual reporter who writes for us, uh, John Comel, but uh, I can't spell his name live on the air. Uh, but if you find the at Oak Roots blog, you can find him in the ads. That's going to make everyone listening to this and watching this very curious on uh, why you cannot spell that last name. But by all means, go check it out, ladies and you gentlemen. Go to that. Wanting more. No, go to that website. Yeah, go that that makes them want to go to the website now to check that out. Um, and, and it makes me really consider we need to find an actual reporter for our website because when was the last time we wrote anything on our website, Dylan? Uh, look, man, I'm not I'm not taking the, taking the blame here. It's, it's been a great Tuesday night, everyone. See y'all next week. <laughs> Roll them and credits. Up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for listening. If you want to check out more from us, you can actually listen to some of our or all of our episodes at our website, ocscpodcast.com. You could check out the last thing we wrote, which was probably like a year and a half ago, but go read it. Hey, who knows? Um, and uh, we'll probably try and write some more as we go through. We're just, you know, we, we have lives outside of soccer and blogging and podcasting. So uh, except for Dylan, because he... Does he really have a life? Who knows? Uh, For Dylan, for Brad, for Alan, for our producer, Andy, and for Peter, our guest, I want to thank you all for listening. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we are out. Orange County.